Dementia is one of the most pervasive diseases of our time. It affects more than 400,000 Australians and it's our nation's second biggest killer. So not only does it have a huge impact on the healthcare system, but of course the emotional impact on those diagnosed as well as their friends and families is enormous. I'm Sally Ann Atkinson, Chair of the QBI's Advisory Board, and I'm your host for this episode of Grey Matter. Today, I'm speaking to Ida Buttrose, journalist, television presenter and businesswoman, and also a former colleague of mine when we were baby cadet journalists together, but that's another story. Ida is a national ambassador for Alzheimer's Australia, and she has a personal story to share about her father, Charles Buttrose, and I'm going to ask Ida about that. Ida, welcome to Brisbane. Lovely to have you here, and uh, lovely, I think, and fantastic your support for Alzheimer's over many, many years. Now, your father, Charles, was a giant of journalism. He's been described as a former war correspondent, and at the time of his retirement, assistant general manager of the ABC, and I would imagine an inspiration for you to go into journalism. But I imagine he must have been a very intellectual man as well as a very intelligent one. He was diagnosed with vascular dementia in his early 80s. Vascular dementia, for our listeners, is caused by inadequate blood supply and oxygen to the brain, often as a result of small strokes. Ida, had you noticed any signs that your father's cognition was declining? No, I hadn't really noticed, and neither had my brothers. Um, My dad also had macular degeneration, so he'd lost his central vision, and that changed his life greatly because, you know, being a journalist and an author, he liked to read the newspapers. So we just put... I think we didn't think anything else had happened to Dad, and he he was always a bit of a... He ran us very strictly. You know, he had certain rules and we obeyed them. I mean, Dad was... Dad was dad. Uh, and so, we, you know, sometimes you get a bit, a bit cranky about things. You just think, oh, Dad's getting older. But we, no, we didn't really notice. It, all, it came as a complete shock to all of us. And it just happened out of the blue one morning when he rang me and he said, Ida? And I said, yes, Dad. He said, I can't find my pyjamas. And I said, where are you? And he said, Burke, at the conference, as if I was an idiot for not knowing. And he hung up. And I rang my brother, one of my brothers, who lives close to him, and he said, I've just had a call from Dad. I said, right, see you at his house. So we both went to Dad's place, and, of course, there he was in, it, in the kitchen, in his pyjamas, having a cup of tea. And that was the first we realised that something wasn't quite right. And then, we, and then we got the diagnosis that he had vascular dementia. So, so I think what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that it's not an easy thing to diagnose when you're used to someone unless they do something dramatic, like your father saying he's lost his pyjamas, it really goes without noticing it because it gradually, it comes on fairly gradually. Well, I think because Dad lived by himself, he was a very independent man, so he lived by himself, so you're not, you know, it wasn't as if you were around noticing. I mean, if I'd been his wife, maybe I would have noticed some other things about him, but no, I didn't, and I was in constant, I mean, we saw a lot of Dad. You know, he wasn't isolated from us. We talked to him on the phone and so on. Not a, not, a, not a thought that he that something like this would happen to him. And it was it was devastating for him. It was devastating for him because there was a point when he realised, I mean, he realised that all was not well. And I, I remember going up to see him one afternoon and I said, how are you? and we're sitting out in the veranda in the sun, and I said, how are you today, Dad? And he said, well, if you must know, I'm feeling depressed. And it, it sort of breaks your heart because you can understand why he's feeling depressed and there's nothing you can do. 
Well, I think that's the greatest challenge, of course, for QBI. Everybody keeps asking us, and I get particularly asked because I'm chairman of the board, what are they doing about dementia? When are we going to be able to solve it? Um, and really all we can say to people is, well, at this stage, we're working on it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but all we can say is that you have to be alert and aware of the signs and then make plans to look after people. And so that was what I was going to ask you. When you, your father was diagnosed and you realised that he did have dementia, what sort of plans did the family make? There's yourself and two brothers. No, there were three. There were three. There were three brothers then, but along the way, one died from cancer. But he died. Will died after Dad had died. So there were three of us and, and me. But the girl, the girl always, the yeah. girl always. <laughs> You're the caring person, dear. <laughs> and I was probably the closest to Dad, you know, because I followed in his footsteps and we talked the same language and so on. But but I think two things occur to you when this happens to you. One is yes, you want to make life as good as possible for the person. But also you're very aware of the fact that you need to protect yourself, that you need to think about what you're doing for your brain. And, and you know, I, I was national president of Alzheimer's Australia and I'm now ambassador, but I am absolutely passionate about preventive health and I think that everyone, everyone should follow the at-risk suggestions that we recommend at Alzheimer's Australia. You know, what's your blood pressure, what's your cholesterol follow a healthy diet, do some physical exercise, challenge your brain, and do not socially isolate yourself. You have to stay in touch with people. And as we get older, so many of us do seem to retreat a bit. I was, I was, nagging, girl, I was nagging one of my oldest friends. We went to school together. Yes, we was in a retirement village. And they were going down to the Southern Highlands of New South Wales to see the tulips. And she said, oh, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I can bear the company of one of them. And, and I said... You are getting to be a gal, a grumpy old woman. I said, for God's sake, get out and about. It'll do you good to go to Barrel and have a look at the flowers. Get out of that place and stop being a grump. And, I, you know, I think you've really got to push older people out sometimes. Don't let them. Don't let them cut themselves off. I mean, other research being done at, at UQ at the moment says that, the, you know, the three factors in healthy ageing are social interaction, mental stimulation and exercise, and that social interaction is the most important of all. So, of course, particularly so for Alzheimer's. You just mentioned earlier about um, the need for respite. So particularly, say, in a married situation, it must be really difficult for somebody who's with somebody with dementia, with Alzheimer's, 24 hours of the day, and often they feel guilty if they want to go into town for lunch or something like that. What do you say to them? Well, I, I say to them, what do you think the person, so if it's your husband, what do you think your husband would say if he was well? He would tell you to take some respite care, wouldn't he? And she said, yeah, they'd say yes. And so I said, well, think about that, because they do feel guilty. They feel guilty about leaving them. They don't think anybody else will understand. And we all know that if you leave somebody, if, if you change the routine of someone with dementia, that, that, you know, it does unsettle them. And they do get a bit unhappy about it, because they do like things to happen the way they always happen. But caring is such a demanding job. And I, again, I was walking my dog in the park, and I ran into someone that used to live in a building where I lived, and she told me her husband had dementia. And, and, he, and she said, he's driving me out of my mind. He wakes in the middle of the night. He never goes to sleep. You know, I don't know what to do. And I said, you need to take a break. And I said, have you talked to anybody? Because often the carer does not get any counselling. And, you know, they just think they'll be able to cope. And it's really important for the carer to talk to a counsellor 
like the ones we have at Alzheimer's Australia. And I said, even if you just want to say, I'm as mad as hell that this has happened to me in my life, I said, they will not judge you. They will understand. And I said, you will feel much better for telling someone how you really feel. The other sort of aspect of caring, though, is, um, you know, you were working in a very busy, high-profile job and you had kids and you had family. How did you at that stage manage to, to juggle all that? Was your father demanding or not? Um, I wouldn't say Dad was demanding because I used to I used to have him very well organised, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd buy meat and I'd put it all in parcels and I'd do big printing on it so you could see. Because remember, he had vision problems. So, But if you made it really, if you use reverse, if you use black type on, say, white, when making it stand out, it was easy enough for him to see. So he, he was quite good at working his way around the kitchen and I put some devices in the kitchen for his sight and his hearing because he was also... He also lost his hearing. So this was a really bad health trifecta my father had. And and he used to potter around the garden. He was quite happy if he had that routine. And the, and I had other carers coming in every day to make sure he was all right, sometimes take him out somewhere. You know, I'd say take him down to the opera house because he loved music um, and opera and all those sorts of things. You know, take him for a walk in the park. You know, let him, whatever, whatever he wanted to do. And, and that routine worked quite well. But then occasionally... You know, occasionally he'd ring me and he'd say things like, I haven't got any money. Uh, I said, yes, you do, Dad. You do. You're fine. No, I don't. I don't have any money. It's all gone. And this too is quite common, as I understand it, with people with dementia. So I, I went down to see his bank manager and I asked the bank manager, when Dad arrived at the bank to say I haven't got any money, could the bank manager lead him to a room and reassure him? Because often if, yeah, if you just reassure him. And so that, that's what I set up. I sort of set up a dementia-friendly community around Dad. And so the bank manager would show him to the room. He would alert the executor of his estate, who was an accountant that lived nearby. His name is Andrew. And Andrew would come down and have a meeting with Dad and reassure him and everything. And then later that day, Dad would ring me and say, had a meeting with the chairman of the board today. That's good, Dad. He tells me I'm fine, everything's fine, my finances are fine. I told you, Dad. And then we'd be fine until it happened the next time. So little things like that, or you'd arrive up and you'd say, he'd say, oh, those people across the road, they were making such a noise. I went out and I told them off. And I think, and I think, oh, I hope you didn't, Dad. I just hope you didn't. But nobody ever complained about him. Everybody seemed to keep an eye on him. The chemist would phone me if they thought he seemed agitated. So the system worked. If you can set up a dementia-friendly sort of community around the person... It can work. You can keep an eye on them, even if you're not there. It's a very important point, and I've not heard it before, really, building those structures to make the person with dementia supported, but also to take some of the stress off the person who's caring for the person with dementia, because it's a wide world, isn't it? You know, And probably the bank manager loved being able to be involved and be helpful, and the chemist felt really good. We're so remiss at actually asking for help. But people actually like to be asked for help. They like to feel useful. So I think that for people with dementia, but particularly the carers, I think that's a very important piece of advice you've just given us. And I, and I think the other reason it might, be, it might work, or sort of work in the case of Dad, is that we're all getting older. Uh, we're all living longer and older. And a, a, lot of us, a lot of us have older parents, older relatives. And, you know, I, I think it dawns on you a, a while. You think, 
how would I want to be treated if it was me? What would I want? What would I want somebody to happen to me? You think? Well, I'd hope somebody would give me a helping hand. And I think that crosses people people's minds more. But I but I do think it's a very important message that all of us who work in the aged care area and and in particular dementia to remind people of these sorts of things. If it happened to you. If you got dementia, how would you wish to be treated? And if you ask yourself that question, you know the answer. You'd want to be treated with respect and with care and you'd, you'd hope someone would, you know, when you had a bad day, someone would just sort of you give you a little, yeah, point you in the right direction. Yes, it's not a hard thing to do. Quite a common sense thing to do when you, when you think about it. Um, but I guess that's the, that's the thing. Most people don't think about it. And, you know, the numbers of uh, people with dementia um, is increasing. It's a steep curve, probably because there are so many more people living longer. Um, certainly the, the figures about ageing in Australia, I mean, I think the figures were that by 2050 there's going to be 40,000 people over eight, the age of 100 in Australia. I mean, that's an extraordinary figure. But luckily, I have to say that here in the um, at QBI, we are actually trying to do something about it, and it would be remiss if I didn't um, remind our listeners, particularly of some of the fantastic work that the scientists at uh, the Clem Jones Centre for Ageing Dementia are actually doing. Um, in 2015, many of you will remember our scientists made a breakthrough discovery involving ultrasound technology. They were actually able to reverse the symptoms of Alzheimer's in animal models and remove some of the toxic plaques that built up in the brain. So they've now added to that breakthrough and used ultrasound to improve the delivery of Alzheimer drugs to the brain, which would make future treatments for, uh, for dementia much more affordable. They're working to uh, move into classical trials within five years, and it's research that really gives hope to many people affected by dementia. And I think, Ida, that's, um, it's the hope that we all want to have, isn't it? And particularly with people, for people with dementia, people um, who are looking after people with dementia. So before we go, um, are there any words of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to people with dementia or to carers? Because I think one of the tragedies of the people I know with dementia is when they're lucid, they're very lucid indeed, and they know they have it. And they know that there are those moments, those times when they're not so lucid. Well, the, the risk reduction strategies that we've discussed work, are beneficial even if you, if you do have a diagnosis of dementia. So, you know, it, it's good to do some physical exercise if you have dementia. You can see that the, the doctors can see the impact on the brain. It's good for the brain. And, uh, you know, music is wonderful. So if you ever played an instrument in your past, try it again and enjoy music because, again, music is a wonderful stimulant on the brain. Do things that give you a lot of pleasure. Join a choir. Uh, we had a wonderful moment at the National um, Alzheimer's Conference in Tasmania a couple of years ago when we had what we call a dementia-friendly choir singing. And they complained to me they were not allowed to keep their scarves. They bought them some special scarves, and they, but they were not allowed to keep them because they kept losing them. However... When they all got up to sing, they remembered all the words to all the songs. Now, they were songs from the past, like Zippity-Doo-Dah, Zippity-Ay, but it was so magical, and everybody was having a good time, and they were all singing their hearts out, and we in the audience just marvelled at the joy that they gave us all. And, and I think it's important to encourage people with dementia to still tackle things that they are capable of doing and enjoy. And let people know that there are things that you enjoy and let people lead you to them. Mm. Be joyful. Ida Buttrose, 
Thank you so much for being with us and thank you for sharing your personal experience because I don't think there's anything quite like the personal experience for inspiring other people. So thank you. That was Ida Buttrose speaking with me about her father's dementia and her experiences of being a carer. So that's all for this episode. I'm Sally Ann Atkinson. Our podcast was produced by Donna Liu and Jessica McGaw. If you've enjoyed this episode, do share it with your friends. Give us a review on iTunes or let us know what you think on Facebook or Twitter. Thanks for listening.